know, we've been going through this, this thing about church and family and or the idea of church. And today we're going to talk about church and the idea of family. It's a, a phrase we throw around all the time. I mean, I do. I even address email star congregation, Clearview family. We use this phrase church family all the time. And today we're going to talk about what it means to be accepted as a family, but we've got to make sure we understand that to be accepted in the cultural definition is different from what it means to be accepted in the biblical definition. Today, you know, in, in our culture that, you know, churches accept anybody, uh, that, that comes with, con, con, you know, connotations. And today we're going to talk specifically about what does God mean about how we ta- are to accept one another. I think the idea of family is, is so overused sometimes. We, we don't know what to call each other, but I don't know about y'all, but family may not trigger up the best images for some of you, right? You know, I've even, I mean, you got, there's a reason some of y'all don't go to your family reunions. There's a reason some of you don't even have family reunions, you know, that you're like, no, I think I'm just going to pass on that. You know, I, I had the, uh, the true luxury, honestly, of, of coming up in a great family, but that's, that's kind of the older I get, the more I see that's really more of an exception than it is a norm. And, and but when it comes to God's people and how we treat each other, um, I'm going to work off of a statement today that that I'm going to refer to often because I really believe that we can achieve in the family of God what we we won't always achieve in just, you know, our own families. And I I think sometimes this idea of this wonderful family is more of a pipe dream for some of you. Like, man, I I certainly didn't experience that growing up or I've never seen that. You know, have you ever met my sister kind of thing, you know, or, you know, whatever. But today I want to work off this idea, and I wrote it down this way, that I want to see us turn the dream of family into a reality. Let's turn the dream of family into a reality. And I believe we really can do that. I, I believe that, that right here that we can become the family that people never had. We, we can become the kind of place that people longed for growing up but didn't get. So I want you, if you've got a Bible, let's turn to Romans chapter 15. If you got, It's kind of toward the end of your Bible. Um, just after the Gospels, uh, this man named Paul wrote, wrote Romans and and uh, in chapter 15, if you're on a tablet or a phone, a U version or something, I'm on the New American Standard, NASB. And uh, here we go, verse 5, just a couple verses here. We've been going through the one another statements. So Romans 15, 5 says, Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. There's a whole lot of ones in there. Now, you may be asking, I know when I first studied this passage months ago and read through it, my first thought was, how do you do that? Like, Accepting one another, if, if, if I'm supposed to accept you, that could mean, I don't know, 40 different things. How, how do you take this philosophy that's kind of up in the cloud of accepting one another, how do you turn that into like street-level pavement stuff? How do I do it in real time? Well, I suppose there could be a lot of ways to do this, but I'm just going to give you three this morning. And there, there are three that I lifted out of, out of these scriptures here. And, and the first one I'm going to give you of how do we turn this into a reality is this. I would say evaluate my motives for church life. If you want to accept one another, you think, man, that's a different one. He would start there. Well, I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you why I started there. There's a reason. 
I think we've got to evaluate our motives for church life. You may not can see it there in the back, but I should have made it a different color. But I put under there one mind. If you look in verse 5, Paul tells us, Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another. He's not saying that you all think the same thoughts. I mean, let's face it. You can have unity without uniformity, right? We can, we can have unity and not be uniform in the way. In fact, we don't want to be uniform. That's kind of boring. But the idea of having a one mind, it kind of, I, I kind of wrote it down for you. It kind of means this. It means to, to moderate from within. That's literally in, in the definition of the word. It means that in your soul, in your mind, your heart, your emotions, in your soul, in your heart of hearts, as we often say, that you have the ability to moderate and, and, and kind of force into submission who you are. God gave you the ability to control what you think. He gave you the ability to put under command your thoughts. Paul even tells us to take captive our thoughts. So if we want to be accepting of one another, one of the things I've had to learn is to examine my motives for why I want what I want in church life. Because whether you realize it or not, you bring a whole lot of preferences onto this campus, and I do too. I'm serious. I mean, I, there's a lot of things, and, I, and I'm telling you, friends, a lot of your frustration in Christian life, and especially in church life, a lot of your frustrations would go away if you stopped spiritualizing your preferences. We, we make our preferences spiritual. We do it all the time. We do it with worship, Right? Because the kind of songs that you like, you think God likes them too, right? And he does. But there's other stuff he likes too. And, and I tell you, you want to know something that's conspicuously absent from the New Testament? This is strange to me. I mean, do you think God ever forgets stuff? No, he doesn't. But don't, don't you think if we, so, I mean, if I was God, okay? Uh, it's already getting dangerous. Isn't it? <laughs> if I was God and I knew that my people were going to come together every single week and do this thing called worship, I would have given them like a game plan, a playbook, offensive playbook and a defensive playbook. I and mean, I'd have given them a whole different look on, right? Do you notice in the New Testament there is no order of worship? Isn't that strange? Do you think he just went, oh, man, should have wrote first and second worship, right, or something and stuck it in the New Testament. No, he didn't do that. He didn't do that. Why? I'll tell you why. Because we would become amazing Pharisees with it, right? We would have added, if he had given us like seven principles for worship, we would have turned it into 700, right? We, 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 God, God left that out. He just told us to worship in spirit and truth. That's what we're supposed to do, align ourselves with his heart and worship. But so often what we end up doing is we end up judging our churches and judging our, 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 our body life on preferences that we have. And I'm telling you, it's a dangerous thing. Because when you have agendas, those agendas get into some really weird places. We, we, we have to really watch that. We end up creating camps. You ever notice that? When you have preferences, you know what you can do? I've done this. When you have preferences, whether you realize it or not, you start psychologically putting people into camps. Oh, they're either like me or they're not like me, right? 
Oh, no, they, they don't fit the mold. When you put people into camps, you know what you start doing? You start a process where you stop accepting them. So just be really careful. Examine your motives for why you want what you want. I'm actually going to do a sermon at some point in this series, and I'm, I'm not through with getting it ready together yet because it's going to be, I don't know, it's, it could be a dangerous thing. I'm having to kind of piecemeal it together. But I'm going to do, a, in this church series, I'm going to do a, a sermon called What Church Doesn't Do. Because there's a lot of things that, that we do that, that I don't think are necessarily biblical or not biblical. We just do them. But there's a lot of things that churches do that, that we're not even maybe called to do. There's things that we expect, this is the big one, we expect churches to do that the church was never called to do. So what are we not called to do? We're going to tackle that one day in this series too. But I, I'm telling you right out of the gate, if you want to start accepting one another, learn to moderate from the inside one-mindedness. It doesn't mean that you have to agree with everything. Listen, we can, we can disagree without being disagreeable, right? We really can. We can disagree without being disagreeable. I, I really think that it's important that we disagree. It's in how we go about it and not be threatened by that. But I would tell you, if, if you want to be of one mind, Paul tells us to be of one mind and to tell us to be of, he says, of one accord. Look in verse 5. Now may the, the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another, according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord, it means one passion. We are to be of one heart. And I would just ask you to constantly keep in front of you if you ever find yourself getting frustrated with church, I know you would never do that, right, at all. But if you ever did find yourself getting frustrated with church, ask yourself, am I just in my heart wanting them to do it the way I want it? Is this just a me thing? Because I will tell you this, in my own personal experience, the vast majority of the time, the things we get twisted up in church life, the things we get twisted up over, have nothing to do with the gospel and nothing to do with, with anything biblical. We just didn't get it our way. And that's just not, what we're, that's not one-mindedness. So let's, I think you get the point. Let's move to the second truth about how to accept one another. How do we go about accepting one another? I would say it this way. Match my speech to God's image when I speak of believers. Now, I want to tell you what I mean by that. Match your speech with God's image when you talk of other believers. The book of James tells us you can't have a mouth that blessing, and, blessing comes out of one side and praise to God and dishonor of people out of the other. He's, and James even says, does fresh water come out of an unclean well? No, it doesn't. You, you can't have a mouth that speaks well of God and not well of God's people. It just doesn't work like that. So when it comes to how we talk about each other, now, by the way, I want to be really clear. This isn't just us being kind to each other and being nice and speaking nice and being good to be good and kind to be kind. You can speak nice to people and not like them. That's not what I'm saying about it. When we're talking about in the family of faith, you are made in God's image. And every time that I run you down, I'm not just running you down. I'm running down a person that God made. That's a big deal. It's a really big deal. And it's really hard. You know, I'll tell you, um, 
Every time I, you ever heard, you ever heard this to describe somebody you'll, you'll hear from time to time. Uh, I seem to hear it a lot at funerals because at funerals we all, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of things that come out about people, and we make we paint these big pictures. And I've I've heard I heard more than once at funerals, uh, you know, oh, I, 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 Jack was just the kind of person who just never said anything bad about anybody. Okay, that's a lie. Okay, <laughs> we're just whitewashing that thing, man, because you just weren't around when he did it. You know, whoever Jack was, right? And my first thought always goes, well, he obviously didn't have a leadership role. You know. Because if you're going to be in leadership, man, you, you know, you, you, you know what? The, time out. This has turned into group therapy, but I'm going to go with it for a minute. Let, let, me, let me tell you what the hardest part for me is as a leader. And it's even harder as a pastor. I'm not kidding. It's hard as a pastor. See, a lot of you work in the marketplace. So at the end of your conversations are numbers, products, supply chain, all that stuff. In my world, everything I deal with has a person at the end of it. Every, everything has a person at the end. And you just can't talk about church situations speaking in code. It's really hard. So how do you learn as a believer in Christ how to be honest about a situation without being dishonoring to a person? That's really hard. So I ask God all the time, God, don't let me sin with my mouth. Like, don't. So I have to learn a lot about separating the player from the play. Talk about the behavior, not the person. Right? Talk about the behavior, not the person. But I'm telling you, this, this, is, a, this is a really big deal in the body of Christ. Because I don't think, I don't think we, get it, we get it right here. Look at what Paul said in Galatians uh, 5. He said, but if you bite and devour one another, he's talking about churches now, not, he's not talking about people outside the church. If you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Do you understand? How, if you, hey, y'all are waiting on lunch right now, and I'm kind of holding the keys to the kingdom on that. So if y'all want to get through this sermon faster, agree better, right? <laughs> look engaged, and I'll move quicker. Um, no. But if you, if you understand, look at, look at the rhythm of that passage. Biting leads to consuming. Do you see that? Small bites lead to consumption. If we tear each other apart and eat each other apart inside the body of Christ, we will consume one another. We have got to learn to match our words with God's image. Let me show you a picture of a guy named Julian Treasure. Um, how many of y'all watch TED Talks? I love TED Talks. Raise your hand. Raise them high where I can see them. I want to see who my fellows are in here. Yes. My fellow kinsmen, men and women, TED Talk people. I had a person come up to me at the end of the first service and go, what are these TED Talk things? I'm like, are you living on Mars? Like, you ever heard of these? No, he was a good friend. I can say that kind of stuff. Um, Julian Treasure. Now, according to CNN, and these things move because they're fluid because they change rankings. But according to CNN, it, uh, in their poll, it's, the f- it's in the top five TED Talks of all time. Okay. It's had 33 million views as of this week. And and Julian Treasure did a talk on how to, I think the title was, yeah, how to speak so that people will listen, right? I mean, that's my life's calling, man. I want people to listen to me. I got stuff to say, you know, and I want you to to grasp it, right? You know, psychologists tell us, this is a true true story. I I read a statistic one time. Psychologists say that you forget 87% of what you hear in the first seven minutes. I'm like, oh, my gosh. That's awful. 
you know. Uh, but so when I saw this topic, I'm like, I got to listen to this. And it's, you know what? It's not earth shattering. But I want to tell you, all of you, all of you, this isn't just for leaders. This isn't a, a TED talk just for people in the marketplace or in mid level management. All of you are influencers. Every one of you in here influence people. You influence your friends. You influence people in your neighborhood. You influence people on your staff that you work as teammates. You influence people in the classroom, in fraternities. You influence people all the time. So I'm not going to ruin it for you. It's only about 16, 17 minutes, I think. But it's a really good TED Talk. But in that TED Talk, and I won't, I won't go through all of it with you, but what really caught my attention is he, he said there are seven deadly sins to ensure that people will not listen to you. And as I wrote these deadly sins down, one thing I noticed was three of the seven had to do with your words as far as your projection and your worldview. Here, here was three of the seven. Look, gossip, complaining, and judging. Gossip, complaining. He said, of the seven deadly sins, three are, if you want people, listen, if you want people to turn you out, you know, like in, in, on Linus and Lucy and Snoopy and all that, want, 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 right? If you want people to think your voice is that, be a gossiper. I'll tell you just as a moment of pure transparency for you. If I know that you have a reputation for juicing it up. Totally honest with you, that's what you sound like to me. Want, 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 want. You know why? Because you like to chew it up. And I can't trust you. See, if, if you're a person that likes to talk about people, this is what I've learned. If you'll talk to me about somebody, you'll talk to somebody about me. So your words carry no weight with me. They just don't. But it takes two to gossip, if you haven't ever noticed. Has to take a receiving ear. And I'm telling you, now, by the way, let's just all get really, you know, this is church. This is a good place to repent. Okay? Everybody's guilty of this on some level. We've all done this at some point of our lives. But if you want your words to carry weight with your peers, don't run people down. Don't do it. Complaining, that's another one. You know, and I'm going to tell you, man, the older I get, the more I have to watch that. You know, because I got preferences about the way I think things should be. You know, why are y'all looking at me like y'all are just so holy? Like y'all, you know. I mean, we all have our preferences of all the ways we want things to be. And we tend to, the older you get, the more you complain, right? I mean, it's just funny. Alexis and I were talking about it this week. I'm like, have you noticed that all of a sudden our conversations are turning into what's wrong with our bodies? Like, you know, like ailments and issues and all kinds of like, this, is this where it's going? You know, you know, it's, it's, it's just, we just, oh, I'm hurting. You know, it, you get older, your body's telling on you. We're com we complain. It's easy to complain. It's easy to complain. But you lose credibility, and he's right. You lose, if you're just sour or just judging people, just projecting onto people thoughts and, and, and what you think it should be. I love this quote 
by Eleanor Roosevelt. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you, could, you could spend weeks on this. Look at what she said. Great minds discuss ideas. Average minds discuss events. Small minds discuss people. Small minds discuss people. It's true. Let me tell you why this matters. In the family of God, in the family of God, there, there's a ton of variety. But we have got to match, if we want to turn the dream into a reality, if this idea of family, because for us as a church body, this may be the only family some people ever have. For many people, their families are so fractured, this is all they've got right here. I mean, we're it. We're the aunts and uncles spiritually. We're the grandfathers spiritually. We're the grandmothers spiritually to some people. We're the brothers that some people never had. We've got to get this right. This isn't about just being nice. Anybody can be nice. You don't need Jesus to be nice. Anybody can be nice. We're talking about how we match our words with the image of God in people. And I want to tell you, if, if you have a habit of failing in this area, let me tell you, let me tell you why Reckless words. You know what the scriptures say about reckless words? Reckless words pierce like a sword. Proverbs. Reckless words pierce like a sword. So I kind of put this into three areas to draw it out for your mind. First, let's start with the one on the left. If, if you run people down and you spread the juice, you force God's people to choose sides. See, that's what gossip does. You know what I hate about gossip? About 17 million things. But I'll tell you what I really hate about gossip. is when somebody goes to somebody and gets in somebody's ear, you know what you're doing to that person? You're putting them into a spiritual corner where they've got to choose your version of the truth or not. And you're planting thoughts. And everybody's human. And so once, if I'm willing to come and tell you some things that I don't like about somebody, it is, it is I'm not going to say it's impossible. I'm just going to say it is brutally hard for you to unlock those thoughts the next time you see that person. Because that's what gossipers do. They bite until they devour. So it's hard to be accepting of one another when you're asking somebody else to choose who you want to believe, right? What about the one in the middle? You present opinions as facts, right? Listen, man, we all have our versions of the story, and sometimes it's not like we're trying to be evil. We just saw it a different way. I mean, we're not, we're not trying to manipulate people's minds. I mean, it just, it, we just saw it go down a different way, or we had a different opinion. That's fine. But be really careful. Just remember, friends, just remember. I, I mean, if I, I, I've, been doing, I've been in the church game a long time, and I've got a long way to go, and I have a whole lot more to learn. But I can tell you this. If there's one thing I've learned in 30 years of ministry, it is this. There are always two sides, and you're only being told the side of the person that is in front of you. There's always two sides. Don't draw assumptions. Just don't. Don't do that because you don't know. And ultimately, it divides God's people. And we can't be accepting of one another if we're dividing one another. So now do you understand what Paul said is, be careful that you don't bite one another to death till you consume each other? Because inevitably, you're going to divide each other into bits and pieces. 
We have to learn, if we're going to be accepting of all things, you can disagree with me. Listen, man, you should sit in on our staff meetings. I mean, it's, it's awesome sometimes. I mean, we go at it, man. I push our team all the time to debate for the idea. Debate for the idea. Our staff knows. In fact, we tell new hires all the time at Clearview. We tell new hires all the time, like, listen, we're, we got things as a staff we need to work on, but, but you're going to be hard-pressed to find a staff that collaborates more than we do at Clearview. You need to be fully comfortable. If, you're, if you work on our team, you need to be fully comfortable for somebody outside of your area being brought in to put eyes on it. Because we believe that there's, it's in, in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. So we put a lot of eyeballs on things all the time. And if that's hard for you, it's going to be really hard for you, right? So we're all about debating for ideas. But on our, we, have a, we have a Clearview Core 9 that you're not going to see. It's, it's a core values of our own staff. And, and we all sat in a room. We all came up with it. We all come up with it from the dirt. We made it to police ourselves. And you know what one of those is? Value one another. We value one another. So that even while we're in those debates, it's a given that I love you. Let's keep it on the idea. And let's not get our feelings hurt when it doesn't go our way. Let's debate for the idea. See, that's awesome. And that's healthy. And that's actually needed. But we're not going to devour each other. We don't tolerate that because that's sin. And that's dividing. So we have to match how we look at people and how we talk about them with the fact that that's a person made in God's image. So let me give you another way to accept one another. This is the third one. And I would say it this way. Refuse to box in believers with my definitions of normal. Now, I meant that just the way I said it. If you want to accept one another, then then don't box in believers with your definitions of normal. Because I want to tell you something, man. You're the only normal person you know. That's the truth. You're the only normal person you know. Have you ever thought about it? Just, just start paying attention to how many times you say, that's weird. I say it all the time. Right? That's weird. Right? I was watching YouTube not long ago with Tucker, my youngest son. And there's this whole YouTube personality that I don't get. I'm like, that's stupid. I'm like, to a 49-year-old, you know, but maybe not to an 11-year-old. Right? It's, it, and we do, what we think is normal, what we think is normal. And everybody deviates from your definition of normal. Seriously. It's how life works. Everybody deviates from my definition of normal. And we do that in church life too. Listen, man, if we've learned anything about God, can we, I mean, look around the room, man. He likes variety. You know? I mean, look at, look at it. He loves variety. We have got to, we have got to get ourselves in a place where, where we don't project our opinions of, of what we think is normal. Now, look, I'm not talking about theologically now, by the way. Listen, there are many places biblically I'm not going to give an inch. I mean, not an inch. But we're not, let me tell you, 99 times out of 100, my ministry experience tells me that much of what we get twisted up about has nothing to do with the gospel, even biblical issues. It just has to do, it's not the way we would have preferred it or done it. 
We get all sideways with each other. And I want to tell you something else. If we cannot learn this principle, if we cannot learn how to thrive in a family of true biblical diversity, church is going to be virtually impossible for you to navigate in. You're going to be mad your whole life. You're going to be upset your whole life. You're going to be dwelling on wrongs done or things you didn't like things you would have done it differently. That's just how life works. Be really careful that you do not project that onto other people. See, the Bible tells us in verse 7, look here in Romans 15, 7. Therefore, accept one another just as Christ also accepted you. See, when you accept somebody, what you end up doing is you're honoring the creation of God in them. And that design, is, that design is, is a beautiful thing to watch. And I am fascinated by it, man. The older I get, the more I am fascinated by how God made people to look at situations differently. And I'm going to tell you something, man. In my early 20s, in my 20s, in my early 30s, I looked at my definition of normal, and if you deviated from that, I thought you were the strange one. I really did. Like I, I am forever fascinated by people like accountants. I mean, really, they get up every day and count numbers. And I'm like, like I've watched my, like my accountants are beautiful people. God's given me accountants in my lifetime. And, and I, I look at them and I'm like, you look at spreadsheets and you get energy from that. I'm looking at that going, I don't even want to be born in that world, right? I mean, it's true for those of you that are accountants. I'm, I'm, I'm complimenting you right now. Your stamina is insane to me. To, like people that are finance analysts, like y'all, your whole day is made better if the budget balances. And I'm like, who cares? You got enough money or you don't. Whatever. Fix it, Right? I'm, tr- I'm in awe of how, of how they can look at my spreadsheets and help me and minister to me and make my life better. It's, it's mind-boggling. I look at people like dentists, and I'm like, you spend your whole day looking down people's throats, man. Like, but can you imagine a world without dentists? Seriously. I'm, I'm, I'm truly in awe of what makes people thrive and how the body works. And the further I go and the older I get, the more I see that, man, once you get your mind around the diversity of the body of Christ, man, church takes on a whole new meaning. It takes on a whole new meaning. When I was, when I was in my 20s and early 30s, before I started, really, I, I, I kind of geek out on personality profiles. Like, I, this stuff I'm talking about right now, I am truly interested in. I am fascinated by how God made all of us. I, I really am. And I used to, I tell you people I used to really struggle with for a long time. The sermon is in a weird turn for me, and I don't know, I'm just going to, I'm not going to overthink it. That I was fascinated with people that were huge into like operations and compliance. Like all of you rule keepers. Oh, the spotlight got on me. That's a pretty good trick right there. Uh, thank you all. Yeah, I appreciate that. They're playing tricks with me. <laughs> They're throwing up their hands like, I didn't do it. Whatever. I love it. How many of y'all are rule keepers in here? 
How many of y'all are, raise your hands. How many of y'all are into, come on, don't be ashamed. This is about acceptance. How many of y'all are into compliance, operations, structure, systems management? Yeah, like, wow. Like, you know, people like y'all, we don't even need policemen. Like, you, you police yourselves. It's awesome. You know? I mean, you have order. Can you imagine a, a company that was just a free-for-all? These people that you think are always raining on your parade, they're like, no, 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 no. We have to have some semblance of order here, man. Okay? And for me, when I was coming up in my early days of being married, now my wife's big-time compliance person, whew, I mean, it was hard for me because I was an only child, you know? I was an only grandchild. Now it's all coming together for you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I had, you know, I had free reign, man. Then you have people that have systems and structures and, you know, rule, for in my, the way I grew up, you know, rules are mainly to be interpreted, uh, you know, for the most part. And I think stupid rules are made by stupid people and you shouldn't follow stupid rules if they're made by stupid people. That's a joke. Lighten up, okay? It's a sermon on acceptance. I'm just seeing if you're awake, okay? But it's true. But you know what? Can you imagine for those of us that are more the creative type, people that love systems and structures, they make yellow brick roads to our dreams. And they help fulfillment of making those dreams turn into a reality because they know how to put systems and structures to things. And before you go knocking on all of us that are, you know, the creatives, because I know I've seen you, you roll your eyes, dreamer, dreamer, right? We're the reasons you have iPhones and internets, right? We're the reasons that you have things that you would, because you would have just kept on doing it the way you've always done it because that's what y'all do. You just, this has always worked. We're not going to question it, right? But the older I've gotten in the Lord, the more I've learned, man, what a beautiful thing to function in a body where we can learn that my definition of normal is not yours, and that's really okay. I've gotten to a place now in my adult life where I actually will call up people that I know are really good at systems and structures, and I will tell them things like, don't tell me it's a good idea. Tell me how it'll fail. Tell me how it'll fail. And they'll take a hard look and say, well, this is what I think. It'll fa- if it's going to fail, it's going to fail right here. Thank you. Because I'm a pie-in-the-sky guy. This is the best idea I've ever had. Number 712, right? Don't box people in. Or church is going to be a really hard place for you to function. If we're going to accept one another, then we've got to learn to walk in this type of way. So let me take you to a place of why this would matter. Why, Why does this matter? Is it just good to be good and nice to be nice? Is it kind to be kind and it's fun to be friendly? No, no, that is not the reason. You don't need Jesus for any of that. Why does this matter? Paul tells you right here. It's right in front of your nose. If you want to know why he's telling you to accept one another, to speak well of God's image in people, to be of one mind and one purpose, to learn to actually look at one another that are wildly different, and truly go, wow, you're the best for being so different than me. It has nothing to do with being nice and kind and friendly. It has everything to do with bringing honor to the God that we serve. Because look at, look at what he says in verse 6. 
So with one accord, you may with one voice glorify God. And the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 7. Here we go. You ready? Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us, to the glory of God. You see, you accepting me and me accepting you and you speaking well of me and me speaking well of you and you putting up with all of my stuff that drives you nuts and I have it and me learning to put up with you and that drives you nuts and you have it too. All of that has a reason because what it does is it shines a light on a group of people that have chosen to live life differently. It shines a light on a group of people that have said we all know that we are radically different, and yet we choose to love each other anyway. It shines a light to an outside world who I promise you in the marketplace Monday through Friday, they are watching you. 100%. And it puts a light on our lives. And, and if we can be seen as a person that loves people for who they are, speaks well of the image of God in them, and doesn't project our definition of what it means to have preferences, then what we actually are doing is we're shining a light on a God that deserves glory. And every time we don't do that, we dim the lights on God's glory. And we bring shadows to God's glory. So our accepting one another, friends, It has a lot of gravity. There's a lot of gravity in it. To an outside world that is watching the kind of God we say exists, and they're asking, do I want to be a part of that? And the way we live, by the way, I think Jesus had something to say about that. For they will know you are my disciples by how you tithe with one another. They will know you're my disciples by your worship with one another. No. They will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if, if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't need to go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter. But sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world is sending them the Word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.